This boy is gonna get it. This boy is gonna get it if you don't learn to shut his trap and start to toe the line. This boy is gonna get it. And we're gonna make quite sure that his feeble superstition hits the ground. And has there ever been a time when the world could look with love upon the lives of those who point us to the road that takes us higher? Hey everybody, I've got uh, Christopher Harris on here, uh, producer, vocalist, songwriter, worked with the likes of Stevie Ray Vaughan, Loretta Lynn, A.B. Grant, I mean the list goes on. He's done countless TV commercials and you name it. And, of course, now he's he and his wife are the brains behind Rodeo and Juliet. And um, I'm just happy to have him on this podcast to talk about his involvement in my dad's musical, Kingdom Come. So, hey, Chris, what's up? Hey, good day to you. It's good to, good to hear your voice. Good to, good to be with you. And, 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 and shout out and love to your entire family. Well, likewise to you. This is uh, an interesting time where we we all are alone but together at the same time, you know, being remote uh, but trying to be connected, which is, uh, I don't think, what people were made to be. Yeah. <laughs> we're, social, yeah. we're social creatures, and this is a test of our, uh, you know, basic humanity, you know, or whatever I you know. want. I know, and it's what's drawing us together. And that, it's like now that being apart is is crazy how it's juxtaposed we're all ending up you know speaking to each other and singing you know everybody's starting to broadcast and sing out you know it's crazy to go wait a minute i just yesterday when i woke up you know the first person i saw was anthony hopkins sitting at a piano with his cat playing a song (laughs) he's just and he's just he looks so happy he's just i'm just sitting here i'm glad to get to talk to some people it's just i'm alone in a house you know you go this is crazy so, yeah well and i was talking to uh gordon kennedy the other day and he had this great kind of idea he said this is the great pause for us all mm-hmm. you know i think we're all on, mm-hmm. on a there's a big pause button i mean yeah there's some really kind of scary stuff going on i mean i believe that we can mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see some hope at the other end but um yeah it's it's a time to pause reflect uh, mm-hmm. get some stuff prioritized, um, mm-hmm. and obviously family, friends, um, life itself, everything kind of falls into place. Um, I know. And I think I'm, I made two phone calls yesterday. So I think that it could be, end up, it could end up being the revival of making an actual phone call to, to someone and, uh, as opposed to just texting them, you know, it's like it's put it's given us that time to reconnect to. And I hope that's what really happens, you know, so. Well, and and it is. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, and I was just going to say it is kind of, you know, ironic that the as music industry has evolved into slightly disconnected, you know, everyone's. You know, it is a different world just in music, yes. and it's kind of it's it's matching up to how life is right mm-hmm. now, um, mm-hmm. which kind of reminds me of how we got together because I, I started working on this project for my dad, and yes. I was uh, producing this musical for him and getting people to sing on it, play on it, but usually it all happened one person at a time. So there's never mm. been this moment where we've all been together. Everyone who's played <laughs> on this, everyone who's sang on the, the cast, as I call it, yeah. no one's. I mean, there's a good chunk of the people that have never met each other. We definitely have it all played together uh, as mm-hmm. an ensemble. So that's kind of how it's sort of a reflection of how today is. Um, yeah, yeah, and I'm so it makes me uh, so grateful for um, getting to experience um, making music, making human being music. Um, you know, uh, when you get five and six people all together in a room and you just, I remember looking at, you know, that two inch tape, uh, on the, uh, analog tape machine and going, Oh man, we're getting ready to everybody just grab a paintbrush, you know, and you're doing it together. And that's what, uh, it, all oh, the, just how fun it is to get into a studio with six people and write down some numbers and bang out a song and create something. And, and so, um, 
uh, I'm glad to be old enough to have have gotten to experience that, you know, especially here in Nashville and Music Row in the 70s and 80s. Um, I did so many uh, in the 90s, you know, did so many uh, sessions with multiple people. And then you'd see somebody in the hall and go, oh, yeah it going into another studio. Oh yeah. You, you need to come sing on this or, <laughs> that's awesome. or, you know, all those kind of internet things were going on. And, and that's what, you know, that's what, I think that's what a lot of it, it hurts, um, for not having more of those moments, even though they do still exist in pockets, you know, and I'm, and I'm, uh, even we're, we're advocates for trying to make that happen. So we're just out there trying to find the people that will, uh, support us financially oh. in doing in those endeavors so. yeah, absolutely well where t- tell us the beginnings like where are you from like wh- what got, what was the defining yeah. moment that got you into music i mean what yeah i had a, I had a revelation when i was like in uh, eighth grade you know um and i was uh, i'm a west texas kid so you know I'm, i was born in midland texas which is you know uh oil country right. like but we were there eight months and then we moved back to our family in Lubbock, right? So we're back in Lubbock, which is we're main, mainly where our families come from. Uh, and there we were, you know, uh, and I'll never forget moving to El Paso when I was five years old. The El Paso Kids! So we went, we went even farther west, as far as, as, far as you can go in Texas, um, and lived on the border. So I go, man, I was, I was like a border kid until ninth grade. And then, um, which was so wonderful. I'm so glad to have had to, that Sandlot experience, you know, growing up in the deserts of West Texas and, uh, which I, you know, tons of stories, but going to Dallas for uh, high school, which was a rude awakening for me, you know, it was like, man, I moved in at ninth grade, you know, a lot of people, the ones who move around a lot know what I'm talking about, but man, getting to Dallas, that was just an eye opener. Uh, and, and it was scary at first, you know? Um, so what happened to me, uh, I ended up in eight back in eighth grade in, in El Paso. I go, man, I know what I want to do. I want to be in radio, television, uh, and music. And of course in the sixties, there was so much music on television. You know, there were so many music shows and it was just an explosion of this, you know, God, this lovely thing that was going on, even in the middle of the horrible, you know, things, world events. And here we are, we're kids and we'd seen four people assassinated. We'd gone to Vietnam War and all that stuff. But here's all this music coming out. And so, I mean, I just, you know, I, w- I just ate television and radio um ate it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And um, so in eighth grade, I just had this, you know, just felt like I had this little hit in, in the in the tummy of, hey, you know what? I, I know what I want to do. Um, I know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to get there. But that feeling, and I was a, I was church, a kid that grew up in church. Um, and um, I, I think I felt the spirit you know, I felt it more from the spirit uh, side as opposed to the legalism side, even though we were kind of in one of those kind of legalistic churches. I didn't kind of fall in and fall for all that stuff. I just was kind of always felt guided by the spirit and always had this tremendous, unbelievable dosage of faith, which ends up leading me to Dallas, to high school. And I end up in this um, one of the first magnet schools in the country which had to do with television and in my 11th and 12th grade uh in high school i went to my regular high school and then the uh for the morning in the afternoon i went to this magnet school in mesquite texas um so i got on a bus and and drove across town they said well if you take the bus you don't have to do pe so, so, so riding Great. on a ride, yeah. So riding on a bus was a physical experience. So I guess there um, is. You got to hold on tight. You got to hold on tight, baby. Especially in Dallas traffic. So going over to Skyline High School, it was. I walked in, and 
they held this book up and they said, well, this is what they wanted the Dallas Independent School District wanted us to teach you with. And there's these three guys that had just come out of the industry, never taught, and they strategically threw it in the trash can and go, let's go to work. And it was like we had this complete color television studio that even beat the University of Texas Wow! at the, at the time. And that's 1971. So we had this great TV studio. And the guy that taught the guy that taught us lighting and set design um, was had just retired from the Ed Sullivan show. So, you know, we had guys from ABC. We had these people from CBS, ABC, all these industry guys, radio people. So you got to know that um i was we were 30 people kids in a candy shop going woohoo you know uh so that led to me going straight to work at abc television when i graduated high school and what a great i had my whole career set up so what what was your what was your first job at the oh we were doing production i mean i'm running tape machines we're doing lighting we're doing set design we're doing audio it's it, you know we're running cameras so it was all production was so this was for just, uh like uh, news shows or was this for um, it was for it, it was for news it was for commercials and and then the daily shows this was all at wfaa dallas fort worth you yeah. know so it's like abc television so it was like man i had this guy got me on this guy who was a really a legend in uh, Texas radio, he ho- used to host this uh, all night train blue show. And he was a, uh, he was a professor at, uh, ended up being a professor at North Texas state in Denton. So he got me on at ABC and I got my whole career set up. But the, what I ended up doing was this friend three weeks before college started, which would have been the freshman year. I go, he goes, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out to Abilene Christian University out in Abilene, Texas. You want to take a drive with me? And this is three weeks before school started. I said, yeah, I'll go out with you. So I drove out there, and I saw the girls, and I went, I got to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I ended up, oh my gosh, what what I I'm, I'm clueless, you know. And at the same time, I had all this. Uh, I had all this experience and had this great resume because I had worked, you know, in other capacities. Man, my first job was working at Ross Perot's um, EDS, making training films for the employees, which wow. was hilarious. Um, we were the hippies uh, coming in and making uh, these <laughs> these videos for all the guys that were, you know, supposed to get crew cuts. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's just we're really it's really crazy things. And I ended up. Uh, you know, I ended up going out there and I got, um, of course, if I'd have known any better and I knew how to negotiate better, I would have gotten the whole thing paid for. But I got, you know, half of the half of my college paid for, you know, from uh, grants and so forth. They wanted me to come out there. But I go, guys, you don't have a TV studio. But I got into radio. So that's what they had. There was a commercial radio station there. And, man, I made a tape and got on and. I went to college at Abilene Christian and was and I had a DJ job and had a band immediately called Brazos, and we were you know writing we were writing and uh, performing and doing stuff like the Eagles you know this is seventy three four five, so man I was I'm off to the races man I'm like uh, you know now I really uh, almost as of the, as of today I've I've literally gotten to do everything that I wanted to do which goes back to eighth grade. I said, man, I'm going to work in radio, TV, music, somehow, some way, but I didn't know it. You know, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, hanging out and, and understanding it's learning. It's, it's all about, you know, visiting along the way is what I call it as opposed to networking, you know, just go, it's just visiting and sharing life. And so it, it sounds like your upbeatness and your, your, your spiritual openness just led you to, I don't want to say go with the flow, but it, it sounds like, you know, yeah. when you say I want to work in TV radio, I mean, that's such a broad, <laughs> I mean, you now today you're like, okay, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to be a right. uh, sync license? Do you want to do this? Uh, right. Whereas as you just said a second ago, I did everything I wanted to do. Well, those in that broad world, there are the abilities to do all that stuff. You're, you can make yeah. music for TV. You can produce this. You right. can do that, all that. However, um, 
that wasn't the end of it, obviously. You ended up here in Nashville. Well, well I know, and that's what's crazy. I came to Nashville the summer of 74 and 75, and, and then I ended up coming after school. And so, you know, I came uh, in 77 and, uh, to Nashville and went and straight went straight to the studio and sang on Amy Grant's first record. Are you living in an old man's rubble? Are you listening to the father of lies? But I was just, man, I got in a group and I'm off to the races. And the next thing I know, I had no idea that I would be in the studio uh, for a solid 12 years working on every national commercial, every national uh, company doing jingles and commercials. But it took, you know, selling to be able to write and, and uh, write, sing and produce. And I was a guinea pig singer, so I sang on everything. So I'm, here I am. Because uh, all I wanted to do was, at that time, I was going, man, I just want to get in the studio and uh, and sing and uh, produce. And sure enough, uh, but I had to sell, which meant, you know, you're a supplier. That's what, you know, the Jingle Company is a supplier to ad agencies. So you go and call on ad agencies and look for the creative heads, which they're like A&R. They were like A&R guys, you know. Uh, and just to give you a real quick example, like I went into Minneapolis and uh, – ended up in an ad agency that was about a year and a half old and they had the general mills account well they go we've got a cereal we want you to do a jingle for cinnamon this brand new cereal called cinnamon toast crunch cinnamon toast crunch and um so that's how i got the first cinnamon toast crunch jingle but you know working in commercials um was really uh that's where you really learned. You go, oh, this is how the wheels turn. And I always, I joke, I, a lot of times I jokingly say that, um, you know, the Trump uh, and maybe president and uh, Bush was president and Clinton and all the guys are president. I go, you know who really runs the country are the ad agencies. So, <laughs> so I mean, it's like you cannot, once you start working on McDonald's, Coke, Pepsi um, and all the you know all these brand new companies that were going on dude I sang the very first uh, Transformer jingle you know like Transformers more, more than, than meets, meets the eye, eye. The Transformers more than meets the eye yeah like I loaded <laughs> up 20 tracks wow. of that you know on one of the first when it was a brand new product that Hasbro had put was putting out right right so you know Never could have ever, ever predicted that 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 toy would end up as huge of a property. Did so. you uh, did you still view all the stuff as art? I mean, obviously, this once you're in the ad world, it's it's such a it's a machine mm -hmm. and and so, you know, but you're mm -hmm. still creative. You're making little tiny songs, <laughs> uh, yeah. little pieces of of. Mm -hmm. I mean, music is art, no matter what. Um, did you ever kind of? just get so because you're doing it so much you had to do so much and got to get done fast did you ever lose that kind of spark or did you always kind of say this is just fun this is I'm well making... that's that that is the that is the uh the million dollar that's the million dollar question that then that's a great question about how how do you temper that but i you know what was for me was i was going i related it all to like uh i felt like maybe like carl reiner or mel brooks going in going into okay we're going to do another Dick Van Dyke show today. What's it about? And then it's like, I looked at it like all these little TV shows. I'm going, okay, today we're doing chicken and it's going to be banjos, you know? Okay. Tomorrow <laughs> we're going to do tomorrow. We're doing tacos and it's going to be an orchestra, you know, date. And, and then the other thing I couldn't believe you're telling me that I can hire these, these legendary musicians the guys who played on Bob Dylan's Blonde on Blonde and Charlie McCoy will come over and play on a on a, a, a commercial for donuts. You know, it, <laughs> you know, you just get it blows your mind. And then then I would just tell you honest the honest truth is that after I did after I did five years, I mean, this is where one night at one, one evening at midnight, you're on Music Row singing a jingle for Tampax and <laughs> dead, dead, dead silence um, that 
you go, God, I mean, I've drove home going, God, I did not come to the earth to do Tampex jingles, you know, <laughs> to do, to sing about Tampex, spit you to a T. I go, no, this is not cool, you know? Huh. And so I just, I just say that, um, I prayed a prayer at the corner of Granny White and Harding here, here in Nashville at this intersection at midnight. I'm crying out. I'm going, God, please deliver me. Deliver me from the ad world. And do you know what happened? Three weeks later, um, a manager named Mike Blanton, who was a dear friend that actually I went to college with, he called and said, hey, uh, I want you to go on the road with Michael W. Smith and play bass, and your wife can go and open up with the opening act, which was Kathy Tricoli. Uh, and uh, you can take your uh, two-year-old with you on the road. What to a hundred to do a hundred dates, you know, across the country? And and uh... so I did that, but then I was able to come back and then just sing and write and produce and not worry about selling, going out and calling on ad agencies. So I took advantage of just being able to still do sessions and sing, um, you know, on extra, extra, extra long time, you know, do chewing gum and do Pepsi. I had a a great 10-year Pepsi client that ended up getting all the way down to almost one of the last big jingles that I did, a piece of music was for uh, Pepsi, which was with Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble. Wow. For two, di- for two days in Dallas, and I wrote and produced them, and it was a blast. And Stevie Ray and I were about the same age. We were both from Oak Cliff in Dallas. That guy, I go, that's where you, that's, that's, this is when you go, God, you are hilarious. You are just. Uh, so, as as I always go back to that eighth grade moment, you know, of, of that that little that little thing in the tummy that says, "I got you, man." The Lord's speaking to you, and He's going, "I got you. This is what you're going to do. You're going to set out on a path. You have no idea how you're going to get there." But to be all the way, I'll try to make this really quick. When I was with Stevie Ray, and he's off drugs, he is just flying so high in the spirit. And I, he and I had for about 45 minutes had the best talk about the Lord because he, he goes, dude, I'm living at home with my mom, and um, uh, right now, and he, and uh, this is 1990, okay? Yeah. And it's January in Dallas, 1990, and he goes, man, I'm living at home with my mom because I said, what is that in your back pocket? He had a 12-step book that had scriptures written on it, right? I go, what are you reading the Bible or something? He goes, man, he goes, he goes, I'm living at home. I'm a mom and I'm writing down my favorite scriptures that she's reading to me. So I go, this is awesome. Um, so good because he'd been off drugs for three years, you know, and, um, and he was really having flying high spiritually. Wow. And so if, all, all that to say that, that, uh, about six months later when he died in that helicopter, um, crash after that huge concert mm-hmm. um did you know that he ended up being buried next to my mom my dad and and that guy that drugged me out to abilene christian that i was telling you about really earlier wow. that that guy died a week after my mom died of cancer in 79 oh. and so i'm going like i go this is literally blowing i'm just sitting there going like you know I can't even believe this is happening, and I and and uh, to him that he was gone that quick, and it and it hurt for all of us, and but but for him, after I had had that great forty-five minute visit with him and sharing our hearts, and and that guy was so happy, he was just smiling all the time. We were all trying to be so cool and and everything, and uh, he ended up just giving the money to the band. I mean, I think we gave him fifty thousand dollars to do these two. They were just Texas Pepsi radio spots. Wow. And he just gave the money to the band. Uh, and uh, what, it was basically, we got, a, we got a free 40, me and the Pepsi client and the ad agency guy, we got a free 45-minute uh, uh, rehearsal concert in the studio, which was too good to be true. So, wow. But here, but there he is, buried next to my mom and dad, real close to where I can see 
you know, where my mom and dad and this, this best friend that died in a car crash, um, who, the guy that drug me out to Abilene Christian in the first place, he was my, he really was my angel during high school and was just a dear, dear friend who really was, um, very special to me, but I did get to see him five weeks before he passed away for about 20 minutes. And so all of those little things, and I've always, always just gotten off on how God orchestrates our lives. If, if we keep our ears to the ground, if we like, and, and try to hear, you know, like a great, like a, that's the Native Americans taught us, put your ear to the ground and you will hear what's coming down the pike. You will hear what's coming towards you. Just be listening to what God is trying to do and what he's trying to say and, and be open to his spirit because we all, are especially reminded right now, especially as we're watching people pass away innocently, that life is so short. And I've always felt that and known that, especially since I've buried a mother, a father, and a brother of cancer. All of my older, the older generation, there's only one aunt living. And then we almost lost our son uh, 16 years ago this last weekend. Mm. We celebrated uh, his his rebirth because he was just as close to dying as you can be. And when he fell asleep at the wheel and hit a tree mm. on Highway 100 and, um, you know, uh, he he lifelight ended up coming in miraculously and saving him and bringing him to Vanderbilt. And there was just a 15 minute window where the surgeon goes, well, I got this one idea that what's going on and, and, uh, saved him, you know, after eight operations. So mm. I'm just saying that still, even, even as I get ready, I'm, I'm about a month away from, uh, turning 65 and, and I just, Oh, I still just, uh, rebel and and just get off on uh that and as and as brandon our son that almost passed away almost died in the car wreck says truth be told truth be told that's his motto you know solo de la gloria truth be told yeah because he can you and he, he still says to me can you believe we get to live another day dad well what a gift what a gift and so um as god orchestrates Putting all these things together, which that's what I loved about being a part of your dad's project, because you could tell, after, especially after what you had described to me, that about his um, about the journey for him and going and and as well as your mom, you know, uh, uh, being such a sweetheart to her, and she was te- she taught our kids. Um, and yeah, it's it's like like here's another example of of things coming back, circling around uh, these th- we're orbiting each other somehow. Uh, well, of course, because God is putting all these things in orbit. Um, when was I with you? When did I come over there? It was a when year was ago, that? maybe I think. I, uh, okay, so I had just finished. Might have been that. even longer because I was I was on the road all last summer, so it was yeah. probably in the spring, maybe. Maybe so, yeah. And you know, I had just done the Michael Martin Murphy project, um, which, right? Yeah, that, which that's what was so hilarious to me. Um, uh, and that that thing of you know not of going, are you kidding me? That at, even at the age of sixty four, that I would get to be able to, because because um, Murphy was my inspiration at sixteen years old. I don't know if we talked about it or not, but. He was my he was my guy. He was the and he was really when Bob Johnson got him signed and produced him, you know, who produced Bob Dylan records, uh, uh, Blonde on Blonde and Nashville Skyline. You know, Murphy was Bob Dylan, our Texas Bob Dylan. Yeah, um, just like Jerry Jeff Walker and and uh, and he's in that in that cast in that whole category, Towns Van Zant and 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 Guy Clark. Caught up his fastest mare, wrote the marathon hero to hire himself a gringo piece to live. You know, how hilarious is that God would let me get to do that project at 64 and go, well, here's, here's, here's a dream of a lifetime to work on somebody that was your hero, your musical hero and songwriter uh, hero um, from 1971 yeah, when I met him. You know, I, I said before we started recording that you know we 
we've we've been working on this project, but we all don't know each other. But yet, if I if we put our ear down to the ground, I we would be amazed how much our lives are all intertwined. I mean, and what's and what's coming down the pike? What's next? What do you have? What do you want us to do, um, Father? What do you want us to do? Um, where are we supposed to step up and serve? And isn't it true we're going to have those moments where we go, not we're we're all going to go, not you know, not singing on a Tampex jingle. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh dear God, this is nuts. Yeah, what am I doing? You know, you'll find yourself in weird places. What am I doing here? And you'll go. And then you and then you go to your prayer closet and go, I don't think, I think the Lord's telling me to, to, to go left, you know, to take a left turn and go, you know, head from Santa Fe out to Flagstaff and right. go, you know, like which direction am, am I supposed to be head and so. Well, anyway. it, it, it's also, there's those two extremes where you have the one where you, you're almost so ready for that left turn, please. But then sometimes yes. there's this steady, long line of, mm. I'm doing this, mm. this, this thing again, you know, I'm, you know, for me, mm. I've been, I've been playing in bars just, mm-hmm. you know, consistently, you know, and I never really have quit it and don't think I ever will because it's always there although mm-hmm. there's been so many times where I would, uh, I would take some time off and and th- it's amazing how the the time that I decided to oh, I'll go back down to San Antonio and play at this bar because mm-hmm. uh, I had quit doing it for a while I must go down there and, and live, live with my friend for a while and that's the the weekend that I met my wife you know oh. on her birthday oh. you know I could have decided now nah, I'm gonna go Ooh. I'm gonna go move to New York and audition mm-hmm. for this you know so mm-hmm. everything I, I I I think I'm like you I need to make myself revel if I don't already at the mm-hmm. circumstances that um, have led to you know this next step this leads there which makes me think of what was the step to rodeo and juliet that when did that well, develop well here here i am we uh i still get phone calls from people that and talk to you know guys who knew me in high school and knew me in college and 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 those are those early what i call the those nutty crazy you know years of being a buffoon and being such a goofball and, and, uh, um, you know, they all go, they all still go, how in the world did you get your wife? How did, how did, how did you, you, you don't deserve, you don't deserve such a gift as that. And I go, you know, I'll always say to those guys go, well, you guys are the ones, you know, preaching and talking about how the spirit works and spirit move, you know, the Holy spirit. I go, guys, I, I hadn't, I could say almost like I had nothing to do with it, you know, I, and so I'm celebrating 40 years, you know, Jan and I are celebrating 40 years. I went to college with this woman and never knew her. I never met her, you know, the whole time I never met her. And so um, not until I came to Nashville and she came through here for a spiritual retreat that we even, when I saw her, I said, Hey, where's your husband? She goes, I didn't get married. I go, well, let's go talk. <laughs> so. So here I have been married to this angel, um, and I had written, I had, um, uh, and I'll tell you another funny thing is that, uh, you know, uh, when I went out to, you know, Appling Christian to college, um, that guy, you know, that drug me out there that's buried next to my mom and dad and Stephen Ray Vaughan, that, uh, that guy comes back and he goes, Chris, we're going to live in the ghetto house our sophomore year, and you're going to live with a guy named Max Lakato. And I'm going to live with this guy named Steve and we're going to live in this house with six people. Well, I was, you know, Max Lakato was my college roommate. You know, he's, an, you know, now a famous author and, and, uh, and such a, a, a lover of the word and just, a, just the most unbelievable, sweetest guy on the planet. And here he is, I lived with him for my sophomore and junior year. And so Max actually dated Jan, my wife, a couple of times. Right. So, uh, all these years later, Jan and I, you know, I think 10 years ago, I go, what should we do on the back end here? What do we need to do? You know, uh, and I just going, what could we do to, to, um, as we're like, you know, going, what, what could we do as far as celebrating our marriage of at that time, 30 years? I go, what is it? And then I went, you know what? I just remembered, I got a song that I wrote with Paul Overstreet you know, who wrote on the other hand, um, 
from Randy Travis for a lot of people who don't know, um, and and a bunch of other songs like she she thinks my tractor's sexy. Um, uh, I, and I said, hey, I wrote this song with Paul Overstreet and a guy named David Mullen, right? I go, hey, it's called uh, The Adventures of Rodeo and Juliet. And I wanted to write a song at that time for Roy Orbison, except he was dead. So that wasn't going to work. <laughs> so well, I go, I go, I know, we'll write something for the Mavericks, you know, for Raul and the Mavericks. And uh, so I wrote this song about Jan and I called Rodeo and Juliet. And then I said, I went, uh, in something, it's 25 years ago I wrote it, you know, with those guys. And so 10 years ago, we started this journey with Rodeo and Juliet, just going, let's just sing love songs. And then when we came back, we got to live in Colorado for three years. But when we came back here six years ago to Franklin, Nashville, um, I said, let's just have a show. Let's just do the old Ed Sullivan Sunday night show. So we started hosting a variety show, you know, and we knew so many people in the industry. I go, we'll just invite people to come on and sing with us and we'll have a little variety show on Sunday evening and just start singing together. And so really, you know, 10 years ago, man, all of a sudden there was duets man all of a sudden out of the woodwork came all these you know either husband and wives or girlfriend boyfriend or just duets man started becoming crazy like uh you know we're just kids that grew up with the everly brothers and 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 uh, i always say we grew up in the church singing hymns and beetle and, and beetle songs you know so we we we're, we're kids that we, we grew both jan and i grew up in you know church of christ acapella so how crazy singing shape notes and um and you know singing the hymns and uh, and then again we were just we could listen to all the pop music we wanted to listen to so that's the other thing of growing up in El Paso being a border kid man in the 60s oh my gosh it was the radio radio was just so fun and and uh all the music and that's, that's the other thing we weren't all boxed in we were kids of the 60s like your dad and I we weren't boxed in man we you know, we're listening to Dean Martin. The next thing you know, it's The Doors. You know, the next song was The Mamas and the Papas, then Bob Dylan. And then the next thing you heard was Petula Clark or Dusty Springfield. And then the next thing you hear Steppenwolf. And, you know, you're, then, then you're hearing Jimi Hendrix against uh, Glenn Campbell. And you're going, well, that was a fun way to grow up. Along with all those great instrumentals, because man, instrumentals were so awesome back then. And talk about creating, uh, talk about creating scenes and 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 being able to dream big. And and growing up in West Texas and and driving across those long highways at night, you know. Yeah, everything's long to drive in Texas. <laughs> oh my gosh, just it's like those journeys from El Paso to Lubbock. I'll, I'll, yeah, those are some of the coolest memories. Turn or, on the Wolfman of Del Rio or whatever. Oh man, I would I'd lay in bed in in El Paso and listen to him uh uh from XCRB and XCRJ and and then listen to it, our station, the big station in 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 our neck of the woods was uh KOMA, Oklahoma City, because they turned up full power at night. And here we are. Look at us. We're all hold, we're all holding these uh, smartphones, and they're about the size of our transistor radios in the '60s. So that's what I equated to, except with much better speakers so. <laughs> yeah. and a lot bigger connections. So, wow. but that that's what gets you always remind kids going like, you know, we had these transistor radios that were about the size of this iPhone, and that's where I heard all the you heard set up and. In, in, in bed at night under your, you know, covers so your mom wouldn't hear, you know, you're listening, trying to dial in the radio stations from far off WLS Chicago and and WSM and all the, you know, all the all the big, big stations that turned up their frequencies at, late at night. So anyway, I'm rambling. But no, but man, you feel you, you you're proving the point that we we feel connected, especially when we know that someone else at the same moment is oh. tuning on. It's that. It reminds me of that song, Somewhere Out There, where, you know, mm. wonder what that person's doing right now, and they're on the other side of the world. Uh, mm. And um, and time is now, which is weird. Yes. You know, I try, try to, our youngest is, is just so into science, and time is, you know, uh, what do you, how do you explain this? And, and how is time in God's perspective as, as, as opposed to ours? Because a lot of times I feel like I'm in a hurry. Or I feel like things are just taking forever. Mm. Uh, 
but I'm only, yeah, I'm not even 50, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the world, the world and things have been around and have been moving at the pace that they move, mm. uh, you know, and, you know, we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, are, has this already been done before? You know, is, yeah. is this, uh, am I writing the same old song again? Are we just doing something else? Am I, uh, and, and I, I told you that I, I've been feeling kind of bummed that, you know, every, everybody's, there's nothing new. We're all doing the same thing. And, um, mm-hmm. and is what's, what's the hope? Are we, is there going to be anything? Uh, and this, this, random quote from c.s lewis showed up and, and i just looked, yeah. it, looked it up while we we're talking i got it right now it's even in literature and art no man who bothers about originality will ever be original whereas if you simply try to tell the truth without caring a tuppence how often it has been told before you will nine times out of ten become original without ever having noticed it mm, mm, mm. <laughs> it's it's it goes back to here i'm now listening to my son you know just truth be told that's what he always says just truth be told and he tells it like it is because he was almost he goes dad i was almost flying around man i was almost out of here was i not good enough to just go ahead and get it on and go fly around with jesus and get up and, and get in the heavens and get to talk to all those famous people that have that have gone before us and and so man i mean how insightful for your child <clears throat> to just go like what does it mean that you know what does it mean for right now, right, right, right here, right now? And how long will it take? How long does it take to become 50 years old, dad? <laughs> it's like, right. They, right. they want to go, how do you, how do you compute that? And when you're eight years old in, in eighth or in eighth grade, you just go, it's going to be forever. Yeah. Till I, till I turn gray and, 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 and him bent over and go and going, you know, so it's, it's and it's, it's okay a, and it's okay sorry. to ask that because even though it seems like well you know through the history of the world everyone's basically well, thought the same thing we've all questioned the same questions but you're you're being honest you're being truthful when you when you say but i want a question i want to i want an answer um and i i think that's okay and it's not like it's not a cop out to say i just i want, I want the truth it is what we need the deep down inside. I know. I, I'm just looking at, I'm looking right now at, at Bob Dylan's record, the times they are changing. And for those of us who live that as even in little, as little kids, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you know, there was a lot of truth that came out, you know, when your dad and I were like, probably like we were too young to understand at that time, you know, being five, I was five years old in 1960s. You go, you know, this whole thing of, the times they are a change and your sons and your daughters are beyond your command. Your old road is rapidly aging. Get out of the way. If you can't lend a hand, you know, you go, what, what better thing to uh, be reminded of uh, that yeah. to go, it's, it's, you know, you have to, at some point we have to, you have to give it over to the kids, you know, to, to, this is what I think we're all concerned about right now is going, gosh, we want our children to be able to have uh the, you know, at least some of the things that we that we had, you know, the and we sure don't want them to lose the freedoms, you know. Yeah, we're we're so spoiled. Gosh, we've just enjoyed. We've been just sitting here going, and then, and then what hurts for all of this is just go. You know, everybody's whining over it. Don't you know? Don't take my this and don't take my that and don't don't tread on my body and don't do this. <laughs> and you go like you just go. Wow, you just you. We're I think we're some of us were all pleading for some of that spirit of the '60s to be back. We don't want the kids to have to go through a Vietnam or anything, but you know, no. But if if we could take advantage of this pause, you know, this whatever it is, you know, I think Mm -hmm. what what is what is evil, God will redeem. You know, like Mm -hmm. it's hard to even think that sometimes. But I'm I'm hoping for. uh, I mean, Mm -hmm. just me personally, I'm hoping for uh, a new season. Uh, and I think a lot of people are. It's just been a it's been yes. a weary time. I think you mm-hmm. know just in general, um, and mm-hmm. whether it's it's the it's it's the time the trumpet's going to blow or it's just another <laughs> season. Whatever. I, I think we're all ready. Everybody is ready for that. I think I think so. I think I I I I feel it from even you know in some ways it's just like I, I mean I here I here I am I'm I'm talking as a as a kid who 
you know, who always had, always seemed to be able to have everything as a child and not, I, ne- I never felt like, um, even though my dad was working all the time, I never felt like, he, you know, he was gone, didn't love us or whatever. And I wasn't never, never got mad or, or was resentful or anything. I thought that's what he does. He, he's out there slaying the dragons for us. And as we all get older now, we, we are like, um, uh, I live with a person, my wife grew up, you know, in upstate New York, you got a Texan and a Yankee living together. You know, that's a mixed marriage. Uh, <laughs> Rodeo and Juliet are a mixed marriage. And then we go like 40 years. I'm going, my God, if we can do it, you know, anybody could do it. But I, that's e- easy to say. But um, uh, but I'm just saying that here she is. She grew up camping out in the Adirondacks. I don't know anything about camping out. I mean, I, I grew up going to Holiday Inns, you know, and and. It's, you know, so here, here you you end up having a, uh, my my wife my wife can be a she can build a fire and probably survive and and help me survive. You know, uh, uh, if the lights go out, you know, it's like she can build a campfire and have something for dinner. You know, it's like, uh, you know, so nice skill that, to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so that um, that can do spirit that thing of like, well, we're gonna all end up you know, relying on each other more and more, even whether this thing, whether this thing we're all going through last four weeks or whether the last three months or even, mm-hmm. you know, whatever longer, whatever we're, we're going to all end up. Well, I, I, I like what you're saying there about uh, we're relying to rely on each other. Cause I mean, the, the, the theme of this, this musical kingdom come is it's a yes. retelling of the book of acts. And that's exactly what the early church. I mean, mm. the minute they got the Holy spirit, they went out and they, loved on each other and yeah. it grew the community grew i mean there's a there's songs in my dad's musical once called unity in the community where it's just mm. everyone's sharing um of course your character in, in the musical is 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 um, a modernized version of steven who who is the first martyr mm-hmm. uh, and he's just trying to boldly tell the truth as he's um you know he's stoned in the in in the in the in the original text, but in, in this particular setting, he, he's he's uh, attacked by a bunch of guys with baseball bats as he's just saying, yeah. you know, th- this is look how beautiful the truth is, and can't you see it? And and mm. um, so that being said, it's 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 like the the disciples and everybody were just giving up everything they had for each other. Mm. Now that's a hard thing to think about today, but. Uh, that those were the roots that uh, that's how it was at the beginning and sure yes. would be great. I mean, it sounds kind of like a hippie commune kind of idea nowadays, but <laughs> then again, would that, you know, be so bad if we could just uh, give a little. Well, I'm, I, I hope that music can always still be a way for, for to, to reach out. I think it will. This, this project here definitely has, not only blessed my dad, but it's just really kind mm. of uh, showing me a lot. Um, of course, I never produced a bluegrass ensemble before, so here we go. <laughs> I'm like, where do I put this mic? Uh, you know, you know, the fiddle play. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, I'm s- so out of my league on half of this stuff, but I've had a lot of great people uh, mm. to to walk with me in the studio. If I have no problem turning around and saying, "Hey, do you?" You want to just tell me how you think it sounds? You know, I'm I'm totally uh, I'm just trying to yeah. to make something. You know, one day when this thing gets performed, and I hope you can, you know, oh. grab a oh, mic I and sing so. your song. You know, uh, I, I I hope that uh, we get to do it, and and when we do that, uh, I would love it to be, uh, you know, not just the show, but also a time where people can just you know talk. You know, I think who knows yes. what's going to happen. Uh, I usually a lot of times try to. Uh, wrap up and say where's where's everything going where do you see things going but you know i think we've we've already figured out that god's got it whether it's little little seasons that we go in or one giant new direction that we're going in it's Mm -hmm. it's we 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 can be comfortable knowing that he's got it Uh, i'm i'm just happy that this is becoming what it's becoming I'm, i'm happy that you've been a part of it um and that you still uh are within a phone call's reach just to say, hey, man, let's do something else, because I think that's what oh. we all want to do. So I, I... Isn't, it, isn't that fun here in, being here in Nashville? And that's what we're grateful for, is being able to go, you know, being able to call somebody at, at the at the last minute, and, and you can just, God, we're so, 
we're so we're so um so privileged and, and feel so grateful that 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 can happen thank you for coming and sharing your life on this show uh it's very interesting mm-hmm. uh, and uh and and so encouraging to hear other people's stories i always loved reading biographies of other artists when i was uh, yeah. and i still do and i think it, it uh, hearing other people's story can put things into perspective and also kind of give people ideas of of hey there's something else i could think of so thank you so much for for coming on and and um yeah let's let's do it again soon look forward to it and all the best to you blessings Has there ever been a time When the world could look with love Upon the lives of those who point us To the road that takes us higher Always so content Just to stay out in the cold Afraid to come inside and feel the fire Has it always been the same For the one who gives his life Announcing peace not of this world And a way to meet the Father Seeking what is pure And hoping that someday Folks would learn they didn't have to wander But like the rose so it goes Some folks never really know Just how sweet the fragrance smell Until the petals life is drained Men will fear what they hear Crushing truth while shedding tears Can they smell the sweet perfume? Or are they always doomed? Never seeing what they could have gained Has there ever been a time when standing up for what is right A man would never hear the laughs of those whose hollow voices roll And hating what is lovely and loving useless lies The world has settled for treasures of fool's gold But like the rose so it goes, some folks never really know Just how sweet the fragrance smell Until the petals life is drained Men will fear what they hear Crushing truth while shedding tears Can they smell the sweet perfume? Or are they always doomed? Never seeing what they could have gained